Well, good morning. Glad you're here. Happy Easter. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at Huntington Community Church, and it's, a, it's an honor to stand before you this morning and, um, and uh, divide the Word of God for us. And if you're a guest this morning, uh, we have a time where children can go um, off and um, have a lesson on their level. So at this time, kids, you guys can go to class. Parents, if you are a guest, if you want to keep your child in here, you can. Uh, we love seeing children in the service. I love how they're in here right now. A lot of churches, um, the kids are already gone. Like, hear that, all that kind of what you might call noise? Like, I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful sound. And uh, some churches, like, they're not even in here for this part. But I love that they're just in here listening to us sing and hearing Scripture read. And they're learning to be patient. Uh, we're learning to be patient. I love looking over at Chris this morning, and you were double-armed. You just had them both in your arms. Uh, so I was glad that you didn't raise your hand to praise the Lord, because poor Ben would have just... I was waiting to see which one you would have let go, Ben or Abby, which one you love more. So we'd see. Um, and so we're, we're glad you're here this morning. Um, uh, this is a church that... Um, she really takes this seriously, Sunday mornings, that we gather together, that's important for us. Um, and um, maybe some of you, if you're first time here, we, we just moved into this, in this facility back in September. On your way in, you notice a lot of re- uh, renovations. So um, just thank you for your uh, kindness and patience as we're working on things um, in this building. Uh, and I just love, I, I do hope that we do finish things. But I do love seeing things kind of unfinished because it reminds me of me that I am unfinished, that God is still doing a work in my life, God is still doing a work in your life, and there's more work to be done, right? And so we come this morning, um, we've been in a series, it's called uh, the Greater Than series, we're just walking through the book of Hebrews, and so if you brought a Bible this morning, we're going to continue through Hebrews, you may be thinking, well, this is Easter. We should step out and do like an Easter message. I promise you, you're going to hear an Easter message this morning. Hebrews 12 is incredible. Um, now, for those of you who know me and been coming here for a while, you know that I've talked about through this series that I don't like running long distance. Um, I really don't love running short distance, but I, I'm better at running short distance than long distance. Um, Long distance is far more about um, mentally being engaged. How, how many of you do enjoy running maybe a half marathon, marathon? Let me see, I know we have some people. Go ahead, let me see your hands. So we have some. And they're all like on this side of the room. So I'm probably more this side of the room. And uh, now, some of, now if I say like a long race, like a 5K, you guys are like, yeah, I'm long race. I'm like, nope, not even 5Ks? Okay. Uh, that's about the only thing that I'll do is a 5K. It's just, there's so much mental aspect to running long races. This morning, we're going to see about, if I was going to title this sermon, it would be called Running the Race. And uh, we're going to see how we run the race, why we run the race, uh, and Man, it's just such an encouragement coming off of last week, Hebrews 11. And so um, 
Let's jump into Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, there's a race, and, and here it, it starts with this word, therefore, it's taking us back to chapter 11. In chapter 11, we just saw all of these men and women of faith, by faith, um, when we saw uh, from Abel to Enoch to Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, Jacob, Moses, uh, we saw a list, Rahab, all these men and women of faith. And here it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So who are these witnesses? These witnesses are those in chapter 11. The whole list from, from back with, uh, with Abel all the way up to the end where we saw people were being sawn in two for their faith. Um, and, and so here's this list of these witnesses. Uh, a great cloud, uh, a cloud means a multitude is a way, this is a, a literary term. Um, so it's saying there's, a, there's a, a lot of these witnesses. And the word witness, this is incredible. In the Greek, uh, it's the word where we get martyr. And so the same word for martyr, someone laying down their life for their faith, is this word witness that you see here in your Bible in 12.1. And somewhere along the line, so many of these witnesses were dying for their faith, they just left that word martyr and just left it in the Greek, and now the English word that we use martyr is the same Greek word here for witness, that they were witnesses for us. And so we look and we can be encouraged. We're encouraged by all these witnesses that have gone before us, that we're looking to them now and going, man, they stood the test. They ran the race, and now they're being commended for their faith. And here we are. We're looking back to them. Um, and this is so encouraging. This would be like, I'm, I'm going to divide the room again here. I've already divided with the runners. Um, I'm going to divide it with maybe uh, Patriot fans. This would be like, this would be like uh, walking into, uh, I don't even know their stadium's name. I don't, I don't like the Patriots. So uh, whatever their stadium name is. Um, is it Gillette Stadium maybe? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, that's the Patriots. It's like all of you guys on this side. Uh, so Gillette Stadium, you're going to see all those banners hanging from championships. Or maybe think of in the 90s, you got all the Bulls championships hanging from the rafters or the Lakers, Celtics. You got all these banners. And as a player, you walk in and you just, like, I even heard right now is March Madness. I heard that um, in Kansas, uh, the Jayhawks, uh, they play a video before uh, tip-off. And this was a, a, this was a coach from another team. Um, I think it was Oklahoma State as an interview. And he was saying, when you watch that video, when you go to Kansas and play against them, and you watch that video of their legacy, you're just, your players are automatically, they're already intimidated to play that game because of what 
They just witnessed because of the past. And, and so here we look to s- some men and women, and we saw last week they, they, were, they were righteous because of their faith, but they, they didn't have perfect lives, right? They had some messed up lives, just like us, that we can look to them who were broken, men and women. I mean, that list, you saw things like affairs. You saw things like murder. Um, we had a prostitute in that list. Uh, there's, the list goes on and on. Uh, and, and you see that list, and God is saying right here, look to those witnesses who have gone before you. They kept their eyes fixed on Christ, on that promise, and they were rewarded a prize. And so here's this picture of us. We're surrounded. We walk into that Colosseum seeing the banners, all these, you know, the one I read last week about Polycarp. We, we hear those stories and we're encouraged. Those guys did it. We can, we can do this. And so we've got these witnesses, these testimonies. And it says that let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And so here's this picture that the Christian life, it's about by faith we're saved. And by faith we're saved. Then it's about putting off the old self. You got to understand that order. Listen to me. If you get anything this morning, understand that order. It's not put off the old self and then get right with God. That's what a lot of people want to do. They want to, and I'll hear people say this. When I invite them to church, I can't go to church. I'm not good enough. I got to get some things right in my life first. Then I'll go to church. That's the wrong order. If this church was full of people who got their life fixed first, and then decide to come on Sunday morning, it'd be empty. You would ha- I'd have to give you a key to get in because nobody else would be here yet. You've got to give your life to Christ first. It's by faith you are saved. And then you begin to put off the old self. And so here's this picture of put off this old self. We've got to lay aside every weight and sin, which, look at this, clings so closely understand this when you are saved by faith that sin will be taken away and we'll see why in a little bit but it's a journey it's a process from our perspective from our perspective it's not immediately gone from God's perspective it is and we'll see that but from our perspective it's a journey it's a process it's progressive that there's still sin in your life did you know that? Did you know you still have sin in your life? Maybe your spouse could tell you that. Your neighbor could tell you. Your, your children could tell you. We still have sin in our life, and it clings so closely. We're called to lay aside every weight. I love this passage. I'm a visual guy. so I, Now, if I'm going to run, this is kind of heavy. If I'm going to go run a race, I'm not going to put one of these on my back, right? And go run a race, right? I'm ready. I'm going to go run this race, this marathon. I don't even want to run a, a 5K in this 
backpack. Now, in this passage, during this time, I love how the author uses this concept. He's it's very visual here about running a race, laying aside weight and sin, which clings so closely. When you're running, now you runners, you, like I grew up in the 90s, so like all my clothes are real baggy, uh, which is not like what runners do, right? Runners, you have like really short shorts, like, I grew up in the 90s with, like, the Fab Five of Michigan. So, like, all shorts have to be below your knee, okay? But, like, now I know it's, like, it's coming back up. And so, for me, it's, like, it's really strange. I'm, like, that's too, way too much man thigh, okay? And, and shorts belong below knees. And, um, but, like, for runners, whoa. I mean, those things are, like, way high. I mean, now, understand this. In this context... During these races that he's talking about, uh, some commentaries would say that they, they would even run almost, or some commentaries would say they would run naked. So you'd have no limitations. And you're just free and running. And so right now you're distracted, aren't you? And so, but know that when you run, you don't want to have something heavy on you. And we're called to run this race. And this is a marathon. The Christian life is a marathon. It is not a sprint. If you think it's a sprint, you're going to fall short. And you're going to eventually fall off this path. And it's a long journey as a Christian. You've got to be ready. And uh, there's some things going against you. Uh, Number one, when you're running, know that... uh, that you've got uh, some opposition. You've got Satan and his demons. It's like, um, you know those cartoons? Like I remember growing up on cartoons and you had like the, uh, the tortoise and the hare cartoon. And like the, uh, the hare would have like his friends out. And like the tortoise would be running along. And like the, 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 the hare would have like his friends behind trees. Like a tree on each side of the road with like a rope. And he'd pull the rope out and the tortoise would fall and that's kind of satan is ready he's uh, first peter says that 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 satan is like a lion and he's just seeking and he's looking to devour you you have an enemy who does not want you to run the race he wants you to trip and fall to stay down to give up so you've got satan and his demons opposition against you running Two, um you're gonna have uh friendly fire there's gonna be people that you um would call friends uh that 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 you um are running with and and sometimes maybe you've done this maybe you've been running with a friend and you just kind of lost like track of maybe you're talking to each other and you maybe like like bumped into each other and and so you cause yourself to stumble there's going to be people along the way that is going to cause you to stumble, um, that, that, that are going to trip you up, and you thought, man, I thought they were my friend. And maybe it was intentional from them. Maybe it was a sin of theirs. Um, maybe it was, they didn't even know, um, but they could cause you to stumble. Uh, and then third thing, another opposition you're running is just our own ignorance. Um, I mean, we, we just, we make mistakes, right? We, we have sin that we do some really dumb things, that we are completely, like, even without the first two, 
That's what pe- people always like. There's some people who are just always looking for like, oh, the devil's out to get me. Like, the devil really doesn't have to help me. I, I, I mess up enough myself. Uh, he can go work on somebody else because I make enough mistakes on my own. And, and, and so those three things are working against you already. You've got Satan and his demons working against you. You've got friendly fire. Uh, and then you've got your own ignorance. And, and so we're called to run this race with some challenges already. And, and, we're, and we're called to, to lay aside every weight and sin which clings, clings so closely. When you run, sometimes like that shirt gets just soaked and it's just clinging to you, uh, and, and you just got to get rid of it. It adds weight to you. Um, and in, my, in my, back, my backpack, there's a lot of weight in this guy. Um, when I was in the Army, don't tell my drill sergeants I did this, but when I was in the Army, we had these rucksacks, and they would be really heavy. Um, they would have to put all, these, all this gear in it. They'd make you fill up water, like your canteens. Um, you know, water is extremely heavy, the more water, and so like, I would like dump out my water. I, I would like um, just, I would leave some of my gear behind. I'll, like, I don't like cold weather either, but I'm like, I'll be cold tonight, so I don't have to carry all that cold weather gear. Uh, I'll lighten my rucksack. Uh, and so we have to do that. That's what this passage is saying. And um, we all have weight on us. And so, you know, you've got, you carry things like jealousy, um, Got things like envy. Man, I just really love what they have. I wish I had it. Why won't God give that to me? Um, maybe it's uh, um, idle things like uh, time management. Maybe it's uh, just something like just vegging, watching TV, and, and you've just put that um, in place of God. And so that becomes sin. And, and there's all this sin that we just got to unload. Uh, and, you know, there's some like... This size, uh, and, and then there's some like this size, right? And, you know, uh, maybe it's things like anxiety. Doesn't anxiety just feel like a ton of bricks? You have these panic attacks. God's saying, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. If you're going to run this race, you can't keep living the way that you lived. There's got to be a change in your life. And he's calling you to lay aside every weight and sin. Anxiety, man, it'll weigh you down. You don't want to run. I don't want to run when I'm anxious. I don't even want to get out of bed, right? When you're depressed, depression, oh, that one's a heavy one. I don't want to get out of bed. I deal with more anxiety and depression than I ever have. This past year or two. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. I don't know if it's social media is playing part of that. Um, our society. Um, maybe it's pride. We're just called to lay aside every weight. And just be done. And move forward. Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now, some of us, we want to grab these and we want to, we want to throw them at others, look at your sin. Um, but I think if we're honest, our bags are probably more like this, right? We think everybody else's bags are like this, and this is, this is us. 
if we just looked in the mirror and really just looked at Scripture, we would see that we're probably carrying around a lot more of these than we realize. A lot of pride. And Scripture's calling us. God is saying, lay aside. He's saying, sons, daughters, I love you. And this is a long race. You've got to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long endurance. That, even just that word there, bleh, I don't like it. I don't like endurance. I like quick things, right? Even things like dieting, uh, working out. Man, I'm great at a diet for like a week. Or working out. Give me a good week or two. I'm good. But check in with me like three months later. Endurance. 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul writes this. Paul's using this imagery of, 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 of running and athletics. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Uh, we're running a race this morning. You're all, you're in a race. You're running. And it, this race is important. It's life or death. Eternal life. And we think that we're just running this life and this is it. And like, no, there's another life after this. And how you run this life will determine that next life. And Paul knew how he was running. In 2 Timothy 4.7, he says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You talk about a man with endurance. If anybody should have quit, it would have been this guy, beaten, left for dead, many times, put in prison many times, he just kept going. He fought the good fight. He'd finished the race. Man, I pray that I could finish the race. For those of you who run, um, when I do run, when I finish, I want to be completely exhausted I don't want to finish the race. I don't want to come that last bit and just kind of like jog in, you know? Like that last bit, what do you do? You turn it on and go. That's how we should be running to where we make sure that we cross. You don't want to like run so hard, which I think some people do. They run so hard and, and, and you get so busy in church stuff and you get burnt out and then you just, I can't do this, I quit. It's about a pace. But I, wanna, I don't want to die and look back and go, man, I could have done so much more. I want to be empty. That's what Paul's talking about. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. So how do we run? We, we, we see that we, we lay aside every weight and sin. But then, but then I love verse 2. It gives us some encouragement here on how we continue to, to, to run. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so here's this idea that while we're running, we're looking to Jesus. Our eyes are fixed upon Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter. Maybe your translation uh, uses the word author, um, maybe uh, finisher. Um, one, one translation, maybe it's NIV, instead of founder, it uses pioneer. I, I, I love that, that idea that, that we can look back and, and, and you know, see all those banners hanging of championships, like here looking back and all, all those witnesses. But all those men and women, they, they all messed up, they all sinned, but there's one who uh, ran the race perfectly, and that's Jesus. So we're looking to him. He is the pioneer. He's the only one who ran it perfectly. And, and so here's this picture of Jesus. He's the founder. He's the author. He started it. He's also this finisher. Uh, he's completing our faith. And we're called to look to Jesus. Who are you looking to this morning? Or what are you looking to this morning? It's amazing how easily distracted we are. I, I, I think if I went around, you all would say that Jesus is the greatest thing in the world. I love Jesus. He is number one. Most of you would say that. But yet still, for those same group, all of us will still go to other things first. We'll look to other things before we look to Christ. And maybe you don't even realize it. You look to, maybe you've had a terrible day. And you're like, I cannot wait to, to just... I got to have some comfort food. On my way home from work, I'm going to stop, and I'm just going to just veg out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go drive through. Or I'm going to stop at Kroger, get my favorite ice cream. Uh, there's several that I can give you some hints on that are out there. They're good, but let me tell you, that stuff doesn't satisfy. It doesn't fill that void that only Christ can. Some of you, you don't look to food. Maybe you look to a relationship. And so you jump from one relationship to another. You're thinking, man, I'm going to find happiness in this one. And you're miserable. He or she is, treats you like trash. And, and, and you're just staying in it. And God's like, you got to get out of this. And finally, like, you get out, and then you just jump right back into another one. And then you just keep looking for your eyes are fixed on a relationship. Maybe you look to your husband or your wife for that encouragement, that satisfaction. It's not, that's not what that relationship's for. Maybe your eyes are fixed on materials. Man, if I get this, then I'll be happy. Maybe it's um, the internet. Could be things like, pornography or drugs and you just you're thinking if, if I just had this thing then I would be happy then I would be satisfied and all of you know this that those are all roads that have dead ends aren't they they will never satisfy you every one of those roads because you all run down them I run down them and I think I'm going to run down this road and I'm going to be satisfied I got to have this thing or maybe it's, maybe it's a, 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 like approval of others. Maybe it's status. And if I have this stuff, then people will look at me a certain way and I'll find value that way. And you run down that road of approval 
And eventually there's a dead end. And it's so empty. And we run down those roads and we hit that wall, that dead end. God's saying, no, fix your eyes on me. Come down this road. This is the only road that's going to lead to eternal life. It's the only road that's going to lead to joy. And I, and I love here that, that there's this picture that, that endurance, and it's about finishing. And here we see that we look to Jesus. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So that Jesus is perfecting you right now. I love that. Philippians 1.6, it's an extremely encouraging verse for me. It says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise this morning you can cling to. That if God started a good work in your life, what's his promise? That he will bring it to completion. He will finish it. He is a finisher. And so when we look back to verse 2, we, uh, we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter or finisher of our faith. And look at this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. I understand there's, there's like this paradox here that, that he's saying, now, for the joy that was set before him. Now, what was the joy? Enduring the cross. You, you see that? that? That in one way he can say, Christ is enduring the cross. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I, I find tremendous joy in enduring the cross. Do you find joy in your sufferings? It's getting real, right? Do you find joy in your... I'm not talking about being happy. I'm not talking about waking up this morning, Lord, I would really like to suffer today. Could you really make me suffer? I mean, Paul prays that, doesn't he, in Philippians? That I may share in his sufferings. But I'm just talking about when suffering comes, can you find joy? Can you see... and? Finding joy in your sufferings is like me at about mile two, okay? Uh, it's about a mindset. Because at this point, at mile two, I'm like, why am I running? I don't want to do this. Uh, the more, every step I take, that's an, another step I got to get back. And so what I, I, you know, I did learn to like run around my block instead of like running like just straight out. Because then every, you know, every mile I run out, that's another mile I've got to run back. And, and it's about being in the right mental state. And this is why Jesus could be on the cross and find tremendous joy. Because he saw out. He saw big picture. Now, a lot of people, when they think about him enduring the cross, they think about him you know, being nailed. I mean, think about that. The man who was perfect, who we've been reading about, who's greater than Moses and Abraham, the angels, they took him and they, they, nailed, they nailed him. They put nails through his wrists, through his legs. 
put a crown over him, mocking him like you're the king. They beat him. I mean, he was almost dead on a cross. And think about all that. As painful that was, I think the greater part of the enduring that he had to do on the cross was not the physical aspect, but the spiritual aspect. He's taking on the sins of the world. The wrath of God, which should be on us, is upon him. I mean, here is the Son of God who's never sinned, who's in perfect relationship with his Father. And in this moment, his Father's turning his back on him. Like Psalm 22, this is, this is crazy. Look at this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Now, this is David talking, and, it's, and, and so it's David. But it's also this picture of Christ here as he's suffering. That, that the Lord is saying to my Lord here that, that here is God speaking to God. So it, it's Christ speaking to his Father. Why have you forsaken me? And man, that's difficult to even wrestle with theologically. That in this moment, what's going on the cross is, is, is Jesus is taking on the sins of the world. Should have been you, should have been me on the cross. And so I think this enduring, what he's doing, any moment he could have come down. But yet he, he stayed there. My goodness. He endured. Any moment he could have said, okay, Father, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. But he stayed on the cross for you and for me. And when he died, right before he died, he said, it is finished. His work was completed. He didn't have to add anything to it. He was the final prophet. We don't need another revelation. Everything we need is in Christ. And look, when he was done, um, in verse, in, back in verse 2, it says he was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When you finish your job, you just sit down. He was done. He's seated at the right hand of God. And, and then there's extreme encouragement for us in verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So we're, we're encouraged this morning. Keep running. Look to what they did to Jesus. We should expect opposition. It's going to be hard. The Christian life is hard. It's difficult. That's why we come back every week and check in and encourage one another. That's why we have small groups to encourage one another. Don't Quit running. It's hard. Man, yesterday I wanted to quit. It was just hard. Yesterday, I, everything I, like, you ever have a day where, like, you make a plan and, and you have all this list to do and it just doesn't go right? That was yesterday. Yeah, I just made a plan. Uh, um, Isaiah had baseball practice. The whole family was going to go to baseball practice yesterday. And we get in our big church van to go to practice and I back up in our yard. If it's soft, that van is so heavy. And uh, 
It's like 20 minutes till practice. I'm back up in the yard. Boom, stuck up. And uh, the more I tried to get out, the more stuck up I was getting. And I'm like, all right, abort this mission. We got to, you know, get out of the van and now everybody can't go. And so I just get in the car and let's go. And uh, so then R.L. and Andrew had to come up and we had to build ramps and push it out. And we got it out. We're here this morning. And just whatever I tried to do yesterday, it just didn't work. Like, man, I'm just exhausted. Um, but I knew, like, Sunday was coming. And I love coming and just being with you guys and being encouraged. Like, don't quit. Um, don't. Uh, we're going to grow weary, faint-hearted, but we look to him. And so when we look to him and see that he's accomplished it. He, he endured the cross with joy so we can go through life. Um, Verse 4 continues to talk about how we just struggle. Uh, in, in your struggle against sin, no, notice like the, the tense of that sentence structure. In your struggle against sin, present tense. In your struggle against sin, present tense. You still struggle. I struggle. We, we confess that. Like I, I, I love that we're part of a church that can confess sin, and people are like, really, you sin? can't believe that. Like, we're just real. You'll hear me confess sin from up front. Uh, I, I pray that that just creates a culture where you were just like, okay, let's just be real. Let's just share uh, our struggles. I need your encouragement. You need my encouragement. That there's still a struggle. Again, it's real. This morning, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And so it's real, but, you know, we can do it. We can, we can continue to run and have endurance. Verse 5, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? This is so important. As he's transitioned about, about here, about running this race, notice this language. It's about... Uh, about adoption, that you are sons, daughters. It's so important that you understand this. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, and here's a quote here from, from Proverbs. My son, do you not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him? For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So here's this picture of discipline. Father, son, or daughter is implied here. That as parents, we are called to discipline our children. That that's a good thing. You discipline them, why? Because you care about them. Because you love them. And so Solomon, when he's writing this in Proverbs, he's, he, he's saying, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. And, and he's reminding them, like, there's this relationship, father, son, and as children, we're, we're going to be disciplined. And that's good for us. Let's keep going. Let's see why. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are 
then you are illegitimate children and not sons. That Now, when I grew up, I still lived in the, the generation, I'm like right at that bridge of like old school and new school. And so when I grew up, it was still the day and age where not only were like parents like spanking children, if you, if you got in trouble at your neighbor's house, your neighbor would spank you as well. So like you get spanked by your neighbor and then by the time you got home, like they had called home and then you're going to get spanked by mom and dad for embarrassing your name at the neighbor's house. And so... Here's this picture that, like, you really see this now. Like, I don't discipline your children in the same way that I would discipline my children. Because they're mine. And it's my responsibility to discipline mine. It's your responsibility to discipline yours. And so that's what this verse is talking about. That that if you're not being disciplined, it's because you're not a child. You're not that person's child. Verse 9. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? So here's this idea that, that you, um, you respected your uh, parents, fleshly parents. So this father of spirits, God, we should respect him as well. Now, in that moment, kids, like when I was a child, I don't remember getting spanked. Be like, man, I respect my mom and dad so much. But now I do. It's always like after the fact. I can look back and go, man, I'm so thankful I had a mom and dad who, who didn't allow me to do whatever I wanted to do. They wanted me to do what was best. And even though it wasn't what's best for the Lord, you know, it wasn't like a a spiritual aspect, it was a moralistic kind of discipline, I'm thankful for their discipline nonetheless. And they discipline a lot. I remember uh, my mom, she used a belt. And it was just a specific belt, and it had a specific spot, and I remember getting in trouble, and I would hide that belt. You don't hide the belt. It's not good when you hide the belt. But we have this respect for them, um, For they disciplined us for a short time, amen, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. Now, sometimes my kids will ask, now, well, mama, will she still spank you? I'm like, she probably would. Like, she'd probably still spank me. I'd let her do it. I'm a grown man. But if she would, I would respect my mom enough. If she thought I needed spanking, she would spank me. But I'm thankful it was a short time. But look at this. But he, God, disciplines us for what? For our good. Do you understand that about God? That God is working in your life in such a way. Well, right now, just think back to when you were a child and you were getting spanked or disciplined, whatever that was. I'm going to get an email probably this week or text. But whatever form of discipline, in that moment, you know, you're not, you're not going, man, this is for my good. 
but do you understand that God is working for your good in, in, your, in the discipline that you're receiving right now? That there's some type of trial that you're going through, James 1. If you're looking to read a good book this week, read James this week. Short, won't take you 10, 15 minutes to read James. It's incredible. But he disciplines us, not because he's um, out to get us, but he disciplines us for our good. Why? That we might share his holiness. His discipline has a purpose. So this whole, remember I mentioned the very beginning, we're running this race and, and, and we've been, from his perspective, we've been perfected, but from our perspective, we still have sin. I mean, we're laying it aside, right? This is how we become holy and blameless and righteous. It's a process of being disciplined. That we're on a journey and that one day we are going to share in his holiness. That blows my mind away. That you are going to be like Christ. Man. Verse 11. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Parents, let me just take a tangent here as I, as I close. If you're here this morning and you're a parent and you have small children, understand verse 11. Uh, verse 10 and 11 is so important for you as a parent. That disciplining your child is a good thing. Let me just remind you, let me tell you, because... Grandparents won't tell you this. You'll need to know this because they're going to lie to you. Uh, your child is sinful, okay? Did you know that, Tammy? It's true. She's perfect, isn't she? But that child is sinful and is going to have a rebellious heart. And God has given that child to you to raise and point him or her to the Heavenly Father. And it's your role to discipline that child. And I tell you, man, there's days where I feel like all I get done is discipline. At the end of the day, I'm tired. Parents, you with me? Like, yeah, thanks. Like, just be real. Like, some days I feel like all I'm doing, I, and it's the same thing. And those moments, I'm like, I, I've told you this a thousand times. The Holy Spirit is so kind to me. He says, you know what? I tell you the same thing. How many times I got to tell you? But there's a promise here. I love this. That you just be consistent, parents. When you tell them no, it means no. And it needs discipline every time. Because if not, then they're going to get confused. And so here, this, it's painful rather than pleasant. I don't, look, I don't wake up going, man, I just can't wait to discipline my children today. Just, my children are glad I don't wake up going, I can't wait to discipline my children today. But I love it. I, I, and I think if you deal with it early, what this verse says is 
that later you don't have to deal with a lot of this stuff. A lot of the parents who are just kind of pacifying early, then later those teenage years are just rough. You got to get them early. But later, look at this. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So here's this. It's a father-child relationship. And this is what's so amazing. This book of Hebrews is about running this endurance, this race with endurance. It's about this process. And, And early on, the author was convincing us, making this point, that you have been adopted. That you, by faith, are sons and daughters. And when you become a son or a daughter, you're, being, you're signing up to being disciplined. But what I love, I, 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 man, I just love family. I don't know if that's shocking to you that we have. I, I, I just love, I love my kids. Like I just, the more I have, I keep thinking like at some point, like I'm not going to have enough love for the next one. And I continue to be just amazed at how much love is in us. That God just gives us love like this. Just you just keep loving, and um, it's just so much fun. I just think about God. How how when someone repents and they become a son or a daughter, how excited he gets, and, and just thinking about just the celebration that we're going to have. Uh, that when He returns, we're going to have this big feast, and uh, it's called the the. Uh, the marriage supper, that we're going to just have this big wedding feast. And one of my favorite parts of the day is coming home, and uh, I built this big table so our whole family could sit around it. And I love just dinner time, just sitting with my family. Uh, I think that's just what family families should do. You should try to eat together. Um, it's healthy for your family just to eat meals together and talk and share about your day. And um, usually that's around the table are friends, right? You eat with your friends. You do life with your friends. Uh, and this morning, man, I we just have an incredible time, an opportunity just to understand that, that we are sons and daughters, but that God also calls us friends, and, and when, I, when I do marriage counseling, or premarital counseling, like when couples are getting married, um, we talk about, you know, this, you leave your father and your mother, and you cling to one another. And, and, and so even though there's still mom and dad, there's a difference in your relationship, that now you're more like, you're kind of brothers and sisters in Christ more than like that authority mom and dad figure. And it's really fun getting to that other stage where, like, my dad and I are becoming good friends. Olivia's dad and I are just good friends. Um, it's just a fun relationship. And, and I love that when Jesus, um, I don't know how many of you went to Canova this past Thursday for that Seder dinner. It's incredible. So the night when Jesus was going to be arrested, he had this Passover meal. And he's sitting down with his disciples. And when, in John's gospel, uh, I, I love this because you don't see this before that. That he's sitting down there with his, he's sitting with his disciples, and they're going to have the Passover meal, and he's and and he calls them friends. 
And before, it's all disciples. You are my disciples. And then he says, you are my friends. And there's this, this relationship, this love. And so this morning, um, we get to just celebrate what he's done for us. We get to share this, the same meal that they were, well, not the exact same meal, but the, the concept, the Passover meal. While, he's, while they're sharing that meal, he's saying, every time you get together from here on out, I want you to, to do this in remembrance of me as what? As a witness. And so Jesus is this ultimate witness for us this morning. And so we get to do something, what we call the Lord's Supper. He commanded his disciples, his friends, to do it that night. They broke bread. And he said, this bread is broken. From, it's to remind you of my body, how it was broken. I'm going to go to the cross and die. And every time you see this, you'll be reminded of what I've done for you. You'll be a witness. This, this cup, it's, it's like my blood being shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And so for us at Huntington Community Church, when we do the Lord's Supper, you don't have to be a member of this church. If you are a follower of Christ, you know that you're saved, then we invite you to come. And so this morning, you're going to see some guys standing up here with some stations. There's just uh, a plate of bread. You'll take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup, and then you'll eat of that. And that's, you're saying, Lord, I'm remembering what you've done. You are a witness for me. And today, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep running this race. I'm not going to quit. I know what you've done for me. I know that you are the perfecter. You are the finisher of my faith. And I'm going to Celebrate that with my family today. In 1 Corinthians, we're reminded to prepare our hearts for this. And so Paul says that you need to come with the right manner. So if you have any, any ill feeling towards a brother, a sister, anyone, you need to make that right this morning before you take. Don't come up here before you've, you haven't just said, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. If there's anything going on in my life, like bring that to my mind. Have the slate wipe clean, then come take. Cling to his promises this morning. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He finishes what he starts. So he's inviting you to come to the table this morning. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come this morning just excited about how you're at work. And I'm thankful that... uh, That we have a God that's alive. I'm not talking to some stone or rock. But you're alive. You can hear us this morning. And you can hear all the voices right now that are just praying to you. Prayers of repentance, confession. You hear them all. You're amazing. So I pray that we would... Uh, not take this time too lightly. Lord, I pray that we would come to the table ready this morning. That we come um, in Christ's righteousness. I pray that you would uh, send us out this morning. That we too can be witnesses. 
just as all those who have gone before us, that we stand in line, a long line of legacy and lineage of people who, by faith, trust you. So, Lord, we're trusting that you're returning. We would love for that to be soon, but we're trusting that you know best. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.